Afternoons on SEN. Lovely to be chatting to you. Sam Hargraves in for Dwayne, one 736 We are doing Heroes and Villains because it is a staple of uh, a Monday, the Heroes and Villains from the weekend sport. But in amongst that, we throw up a few other questions and the greatest curtain calls of all time in sport after Damien Oliver won his last race, a race that bears his name to finish a career that is almost inarguable as being the greatest career by a jockey in this country. Uh, asking you, what's better? as a curtain call in the history of sport. Luke in Preston reckons he's got the answer. G'day, Luke. G'day, mate. How are you? Very well, thanks. What have you got for me? Curtain call. Look, I've got a, a little bit of a left-field one here, but Nico Rosberg, he'd won the w, uh, the Drivers' Championship in 2016 and retired straight after it. So he'd been battling Lewis Hamilton for a few years there, and finally he, he lived up to his dad's name and uh, mm. yeah, was able to win the Drivers' Championship and then and retired straight after that. Oh, that's a brilliant nomination, Luke, and I appreciate it. it, it not a strong uh, suit of mine, motorsport, so I'm glad you've been able to represent uh, the motorsport fraternity with a, a fantastic nomination. And for doing so, mate, you've won a $50 e-gift card, redeemable online or in-store. It's thanks to House of Golf. The House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all things golf. And can I just recommend just heading straight to the Callaway section there uh, and you'll uh, do very nicely indeed. Luke, thank you very much. Mark's on the Limestone Coast who's got a nomination for the greatest sporting curtain call. Mark? You've got to go back a fair while for this one. This was back when the Sheffield Shield used to draw crowds. So, yeah, we're talking a while back. We're talking the early to mid-1990s. And after, oh, decades of failures and close calls, Queensland finally wins a Sheffield Shield. And there was a bowler who a few years ago was seen walking off the ground in New South Wales in tears, devastated, that they couldn't roll New South Wales. His name was Carl Rackerman. And on the very last ball of that, te- of that game, I can't remember who the bat... It could have been Shane George for South Australia, slashed at one, and Rackerman took a screamer in the gully for Sheffield, for Queensland to win their first ever Sheffield Shield. It's funny and up that there... Was Carl Rackerman. Yeah, they still yeah. speak about that Shield win, Mark, with adoration. I know that Shield doesn't get the crowds anymore that it once did, which is a shame because it's such a fantastic product. But it, it, it is still spoken about up there as as being right up there in one of the greatest Queensland sporting achievements, that Shield victory. It, it is really closely held and, and close to the hearts of, of Queenslanders, that win. Yeah, and uh, the catch by Rackerman played a fantastic game. And uh, the catch he took was an absolute ripper. And he got picked to go on the Windies tour because of his form in that game. He went on the Windy, where we beat the Windies in West Indies. And uh, he played a ripping game, took a ripping catch, and that was his last ever game for Queensland. Great nomination, Mark. Appreciate you making it. You've got yourself a Batocchi. Actually, Limestone Coast. Is, it, it, no, it's well sealed, the Batocchi, so it'll travel okay. A Batocchi ham simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Batocchi ham. Mark, stay on the line. Link will get your details. So, a couple more heroes and villains from me. We cannot go past Nathan Lyon. And he comes. Ashraf hit on the pad. An appeal. An appeal. The umpire looks. He says no. Lyon pleading on his knee. Pleading. They are again going upstairs. Drama around Nathan Lyon's potential 500-test weekend. Has he got 500 test wickets? He does! 
So I recommend to reverse. 12 and a half years after his first test wicket of Kumar Sangakkara, Nathan Lyon joined Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath as Australian test cricketers with 500 test wickets. Yeah, it's uh, something I'm very proud about. Um, I don't think it's probably hit me yet. Uh, but there's a lot of been, obviously I've been a lot of hard work go into the journey and I've had a lot more bad days than good days but to be out there in the middle back after doing my calf with a, a special group of people um, yeah it's pretty special to be able to take 500s in my first test back I don't think it's any secret that you know he's probably the most important cog in our bowling lineup. Um, you know this game is probably a little bit different but most games he's bowling 30 overs a day and basically just putting down one end and he's not going to go for many runs he's going to take a few wickets and then us bowlers can just rotate through the us quick bowlers can just rotate through the other end so yeah no doubt he was missed over there in England for sure even you know as a captain it makes it a lot easier knowing that bloke who's played 100 odd test matches that knows his craft and can bowl pretty much in any conditions you just let him get to work so um, great having him back uh, yeah another 500 to go Nathan Lyon becomes the eighth player in history to take 500 test wickets, the third Australian. So Murley, Warney, Jimmy Anderson, Anil Kumble, Stuart Broad, Glenn McGrath, Courtney Walsh, and now Nathan Lyon is number eight. This bloke was found on a tractor as a groundskeeper after coming from Canberra at the Comets. Chuck Berry pulled him off the tractor and put him in to play Sheffield Shield cricket. He made his first class debut in Feb and then an his test debut later that year in August. He will finish off as possibly and probably our second highest ever wicket taker and maybe even our first if Pat Cummins is to believe, to be believed. He thinks that Nathan Lyon has another four to five years left in him. Warney went from 500 in 2004 to 700 in 2007. He averaged 4.88 wickets per test, did the late great Shane Warne. Nathan Lyon averages 4.08 wickets per test. If he plays for another four to five years, he'll get there. Then you factor in everything in between that. How long it took for him to be accepted, to lock in his spot, the doubters, the constant questioning of his spot in the side. He's now a cold hero and a bona fide hero on the field. I said this on Off the Bench on the weekend, and I still stand by it. His story is a movie. In fact, if you pitched this story as a movie, you'd be laughed out of the meeting, I reckon. He's our very own version of Rudy, but he's way, way better. Rudy was a battler. This bloke is a gun. He is a star. You don't get to 500 wickets if you're not. His story is one of the great rags to riches stories in Australian sport, and we should continue to celebrate it in the manner that we do. one 736 736 It is a shame that on that history-making day, if you remember, Glenn McGrath got to 500 at Lords, big crowd there. There was even a big crowd when Shane Warne in Sri Lanka got to 500 wickets. It is just a shame that there was only 9,000 people there to see it at Perth Stadium. So my first villain of the weekend, I'm sorry, is the Perth public. Where were you? You sold out the Wildcats, you packed out Ollie's Farewell, you turn up en masse to see the West Coast stink it up for the last couple of years. You averaged over 30,000 people per Big Bash game last season. And all you could muster for the four days was 59,125. 
Yesterday, only 9,244 at a stadium that has 60,000 seats. I get you're upset about JL. I understand that. But what's going to upset you more, losing JL or losing your test? Now, I know Nick Hockley said that it was the best day three crowd ever for a test against Pakistan in a non-leap year with the moon in retrograde and a year ending in an odd number. But they're not good enough. It's not good enough. And frankly, it's a little embarrassing. And you can throw everything at me that, oh, the, the competition's not that good. Oh, it's a weekday. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. But that doesn't seem to stop people in the other states turning up and turning out. And even when you take out Sydney and you take out Melbourne, Adelaide show up, Brisbane show up. Why aren't you showing up? And I frankly think that those crowd numbers, <laughs> were we counting the teams, the staff, the commentators and the caterers? Because I couldn't see the 17,000. 42,000 combined last year. This was better, but still not good enough. Nathan Lyon becomes the third Aussie to take 500 wickets and it was in front of under 10,000 people at a stadium that could lay claim to being, it's not the biggest, but it's certainly up there as the two, one of the two best in the country. It's brand new. And the question is then there to be asked, what does it take to lose a test match? Are you in danger of losing that test match? And should there be minimum crowds achieved to lock yourself in for a test every year. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So that's my first villain of the week. And I'm looking forward to chatting to Tim Gossage at 20 to 2 to get his response to that. But Alex has called from North Lake in WA. He wants to talk about the Perth crowd. G'day, Alex. G'day, Sam. The, um, the issue is that uh, Cricket Australia is asleep at the wheel. They need to be more innovative for um, test matches in Western Australia. But that the heat of the day is, is, is absolutely unbearable. And uh, what they should have been looking at is day-nighters for um, the test. And because um, Optus Stadium has got state-of-the-art lighting, it'd be perfect for um, an evening game. Yeah, keep you going. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening intently. Yeah, the, the, the BBL, the reason West Australia gets such good numbers at the BBL is because it's day night. It's in the cool of the evening that they're watching. You're not sitting in the stinking hot sun. I went to uh, the Wildcats game last year when they opened the roof and I was in the sun for about an hour. I literally boiled in my own sweat. It was absolutely appalling. So I won't be going to the Wildcats game this time around plan for two weeks time at RAC Arena. Okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm. That's see, that's an argument that I'm willing to look more into. The fact that it's a, a day night, but that, again, that doesn't stop the other day tests from getting big crowds. Alex, no, it, people, it, it, it's summer in Australia. People do turn up and sit in the sun. Plenty of shade around for the place as well. I, I appreciate what you're saying, and I'm willing to factor that into a point. But I still think we're clutching at straws. And I appreciate the call, though, mate. Thank you for doing so. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Got a lot of people that want to ring and have their chat about this. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. A couple of people saying no excuses for the weekend crowd at Perth. It's a woeful turnout. Uh, ben from Adelaide saying take the test from Perth and give it to Tassie. Um, morning, not pipe. <laughs> well, who is the pipe, really? There is only one pipe. Uh, no one can come close to being anything remotely resembling the pipe. He is one of a kind. Uh, a good reason he's $130 for a dad and his seven-year-old to go. So a couple of people saying the cost. But is the cost so much more prohibitive in Perth than it is 
in any of the other test playing capital cities. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Hey mate, get into Cricket Australia who booked Pakistan for a test series. Bring India and Pakistan here and you'll pump up the crowds. Well, last year was the West Indies and that was the excuse last year from Perth that they didn't show up because of the West Indies. But then Adelaide test, well, they beat the four-day Perth crowd in two days there. So I'm not sure if I'm going to take that on as well. Anyway, keep this conversation going on the other side of the news. Thank you, Amy Drew. Fantastically done as always. one 736 736 Midday Madness for Work Locker, Caram Downs and Packenham Workwear for wherever you work. one uh, 736 736 Anthony in St Kilda wants to have his say on the Perth crowd. We're doing Heroes and Villains on Afternoons on your Monday. Who am I speaking to? Um, Sam, Anthony, Sam, welcome. Sorry. Look, I, I just, just joined, the, joined the conversation. Listen, I, I, I truly believe... Australia um, are victims of their own success in, in a way in regards to crowds. I think, well, that's one of the main reasons. Like, I just think this because there's no contest at the moment. We're dominant and um, people want to see a contest. You know, like the game was all over in three days and they won by 300 and something runs. So that, <clears throat> that's one fact. And that seems to be happening a fair bit in, in more recent years in, in Australian uh, just, you know, like the summer series. So, I guess they get a bit of a competition between Australia and England and India, but the rest of them just seem to, uh, maybe they come over here, they're a long way from home and um, it's just too hard. Maybe they're in a holiday, mate, I don't know. But also, one other thing too, I think there's just a bit too much cricket and I think people prefer the, um, like the fellow just said before, the cooler evening, the shorter match and the, you know, all, the, all, the, all the bells and whistles of the shorter game. Mm. I just think, I just think the, the tests... Um, we're just too dominant and people want to see a contest. It's just like, you know, the footy, like I, I buried for the pies in the footy and people want to see that, you know, that's exciting right right to the bell or whatever it is or right to the last day. Well, the pies certainly do that, Anthony. They certainly did that. How many uh, close games? Was it 8 out of 10, 10 out of 11? I should have the number yeah, in front yeah. of me. The beautiful Evie tells me every day. Uh, but, yeah, no, you're right. They got the close finishes and they certainly packed them in. Uh, look, the numbers don't lie. That's exactly what the people of Perth prefer. Their average 30,000 to uh, Big Bash games last year, just over 30,000. They got 52 to the final. Uh, and the last home and away game of the Big Bash season, they got about 32,000 and averaged around 31. So they're voting with their feet. They certainly prefer the short form uh, at a domestic level and they do the long form at an international level. Neil's in Meadow Heights who wants to talk about the Perth crowd as well. G'day, Neil. How you going? Um, the fellow in front of you has just cut me grass a bit. <laughs> it's pretty simple as far as I'm concerned. There is just too much cricket. Like, there's only 24 hours in a day. You do work, you come home, and it's on the telly. So you don't get the, the gutters painted. You don't get the lawn mowed. You don't do all that stuff. So someone, it's going to miss out somewhere. You'd rather sit at home, watch it on the telly, than going and spending nine hours there. But why is it just, I'm curious as to why, Neil, it's just Perth that aren't showing up for tests. Oh, is it just Perth or is it most of the other arenas as well? No, I can, I, can go through the day, I can go through the crowds for each day of, of the test series last year and it is just Perth. Oh, they got beautiful beaches and all that, so they'd probably <laughs> rather go there. We've got beautiful beaches everywhere in Australia. What are you talking about, Neil? <laughs> yeah, but yeah well, there, is a, there is a lot of cricket. And yep. It's on the telly, it's yeah. on Foxtel, it's on stands. I'm not a lot now, so I'm thinking it's kind of that. 
Okay. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Neil. Uh, good job. Uh, a couple of people saying that a, a day-night test in Perth would mean that we'd be finishing at about midnight on the East Coast. So maybe that's one of the reasons why Perth uh, aren't given a day-night test. Uh, our very good friend, Andy, in Terralgan, always calls up Andy and Gazy on a Friday afternoon. And whenever I'm on, he's good enough to give me a call. He's a very good man, and he's given us a bell again. Andy, hello, mate. Yeah, Sam, thank you for the calm words, mate. How are you this afternoon, mate? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm really good this, on this uh, Monday afternoon. What do you got for me? You always come packing a, 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 an intriguing and thought-provoking question, Andy. What is it today? Okay, my question this afternoon is, see it's Boxing Day is next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Name me the three of the best of the best Boxing Day test memories of all time. Oh, okay. Well, my mind automatically goes to Warney on two fronts. The hat-trick, England 94, made even better by Booney's catch to complete the hat-trick. He's 700th in his second last test in 07. Oh, gee, there's a few good ones. I remember a double ton from Ponting in the early 2000s. There was a... Geez, even Warner's double ton last year was an incredible achievement. Um, but I reckon I'll throw in Scotty Boland, six for seven. Um, that was just iconic. So, yeah, two from Warney and one from Scotty Boland. Andy, what do you got? Oh, I've got, got two off the, the four you had, and my last two were Brent Lee on debut for five for 47 against India in 1999. An official mention that Alistair Cook, 244 against Australia in 2017 as most runs by an overseas batsman on a, on a, on a, on a, on a ground. Yeah, they were playing on a, on, a, on a bit of concrete that day, weren't they, uh, for that test. It, was, it wasn't a great pitch, but it was certainly a great performance from Alistair Cook. I do remember that. I was actually there when he brought up his... 200. So, Andy, those are some great nominations, mate, and I reckon there'll be people who want to come thick and fast to give us their favourite Boxing Day test memories. I wasn't there for the Border Lily final stand. I reckon that was 82, 83, perhaps. I was only about one or two then, and um, there was the New Zealand test as well, where Mike Whitney saw off um, Richard Hadley. Um, I was a bit too young to fully... Oh, no, maybe it wasn't too young, but that's a great question, Andy, and if I don't speak... I'll be back on Friday, but if I don't speak to you... Uh, have a great Christmas and a happy new year. Have a good, you have a good Christmas and EV2, and I'll talk to you next year, mate. Yeah, absolutely, Andy. You're a good man. one 736 736 if you wanted to get involved in that. Uh, when we come back, uh, KP and Sunshine, Dave in Bunbury, want to get involved in the conversation. You can as well. 0433-98-1116 is the number. There's a, a text here on the population in Perth and the percentage of people, that's all well and good. But go and have a look at Adelaide's population and go and have a look at their crowds that show up and show out uh, every time they have a test match uh, as well. So these are all valid arguments, but the problem is that you can counter them with the results from the other, will we say smaller population capital cities, Adelaide, Brisbane, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Producer Link has got an argument that he wants me to play contrary to mine. I'll do that. On the other side of this, on Afternoons SEN. Afternoons on SEN.
Sam Hargraves in for Dwayne. one 736 Heroes and villains, the Perth Test crowd. A whole lot on the agenda today. Producer Lincoln, who's very proudly uh, Perth born and raised, is irate looking back through the glass at the moment with me questioning the future of the Perth Test. So he found an argument to the contrary of what I've been saying by the grade cricketer. He's beeped out all the swearing and he wants me to play this because this is the argument as to why the crowds were absolutely fine uh, for the Perth test where they got under 50,000 for the four days. Last year it was, uh, sorry, just under 60,000 for the four days. Last year it was 42,000 for uh, the West Indies test. But this is what the grade cricketers had to say. I tweeted earlier today, there's two million people in Perth. To fill the stadium, you need 3% of the entire population to be at the grounds to fill it. Now, um, obviously, when footballers played there or um, Coldplay play there or even the State of Origin once in a blue moon, they get big numbers. Those games, those events and things often happen on weekends. They are, are over about two to three hours in length um, and they are much more um, sustainable to have in your life, generally speaking. I think the problem with the Perth Test match this time of year, and it's obviously being extremely easy to criticise it if you're from Sydney or Perth, where you get luxury yeah. of... Uh, yeah, of um, uh, sorry, Mel- yeah. If you're if you're from Melbourne or Sydney, uh, you get the luxury of saying like, "Well, why don't you just turn up?" Like, uh, I mean, sure, when the game's on in my city, um, it's Christmas holidays. I don't know what f-ing day it is. Uh, it just fits in nicely to my rituals of Christmas and time off generally from work. So we have the same conversation with Brisbane when they've had the first Test matches the last few years. People are still at work. So when the game starts on a Thursday, day two, Friday, people are still at work. Then in, on Saturday in Perth, they're still playing local cricket so all like your central audience are still playing on day three of the test match then it's like okay well sunday what about why don't you turn up on sunday who the buys tickets to day four even if it's on sunday no one does that and even if you did want to turn you wake up in the morning and you're fresh if in case you haven't had your christmas party from work on friday or you've circled on saturday and you wake up in sunday morning and i'm in perth and it's day four of the test match the game over you know Kawaja and Marsh are building a lead of 450 or whatever it was and okay then you then you might get to see Nathan Lyons 500 wicket you might have seen Mitch Marsh's 100 if I'm living in a city where that's happening and I'm paying whatever the cost of a ticket is let's say you pay 100 bucks for a ticket it's like ah am I really doing that for just to see the boys sort of tick it over and then just run through Pakistan like the contest is over so like you know, I don't think any city in Australia would have done any better, and I include Sydney and Melbourne in that. Okay, that, yes, they have two and a half times the population, so maybe a few more people would have turned up. But, like, I mean, come on. Like, seriously. Like, if mm. you have work on a Thursday and it's the first test match of the summer and I worked in a previous job apart from this, am I taking the day off? No, you know what? I'm probably not. So that was the great cricket. Apologies. A little bit of blue stuff there. We did our best to beep that out. Um, so... The first test of the Adelaide test is on a Thursday as well. And last year for the Adelaide test, they got 24,449 there for day one after Perth got 10,929 on day one. Then day two is a Friday and day three is a Saturday. And yes, Ollie would have pulled some away uh, to go to Ascot. I think they had just close to under 10,000 there. But the population of Perth is about 1.9 million. The population of Adelaide's 1.3. So there's 600,000 more people in the capital city of Perth than there is in Adelaide. But Adelaide seemed to show up. Brisbane's got over 2 million. So they've got a, a bigger population that they can draw people in from. And on day three, by the way, Australia were two down in their second innings. So yes, they were in a commanding winnable position, but the test was nowhere near over. I mean, Pakistan capitulated for 89 when they, uh, after Australia declared, but there was no, maybe you'll see Nathan Lyons 500th test wicket. You were going to see, he had, he needed one more to get it. 
So as much as they do a fantastic job of the great cricket, and I love the fact that they launch a strong defence of Perth because it's great to have the other side of the argument. I think we're clutching at straws in the, trying to defend what seems almost indefensible, that you're, you're rocking up to Big Bash, but you're not rocking up to Test Cricket. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Dave's in Bunbury. Good to have someone from WA on. Dave, what's your view, mate? Am I being too harsh? Is there are there factors here contributing to the really low crowds? Yeah, I believe there is. What you just played from the grade cricket, in my opinion, is correct. There is this time of year, and there would be everywhere. There's a lot of Christmas parties going on. Um, also, there's. All public schools were still in last week, so kids can't get there. Um, yeah, and, and also a week and a half from Christmas, everyone's getting ready for Christmas. I I reckon they made a good point. If you were to do that test match in Melbourne, a week and a half out for Christmas, yes, you're going to get better numbers because it's a bigger city, but I just don't think... I think you're having the same argument with that test, and it'll be interesting to see how Adelaide goes being a day test now, not a day-night test. That's going to be interesting because even... Yep. The day and night test, they always go on, oh, it's finishing work, everyone's coming down from work. So all these things play a factor, days off of work, kids at school, Christmas parties, everyone's getting ready for Christmas. So I think the general consensus from the media has been far too harsh, but sure. that's just my opinion. No, no, I appreciate you sharing it. So, so is it just coincidence then that turning up for the Wildcats, turning up for Ollie, coming out in big numbers for Big Bash, turning up for West Coast, turning up for Frio. Is this turning up for Test Cricket or this is just the best you can hope for in the circumstances or is there still a bit of JL sacking protestations going on? Help me understand. Well, they're they're all very different because the Wildcats is an evening. Yep. um, That's evening. It's not played, you know, on 10 a.m. on a Thursday. So... People working can go. Same with football. Your weekends are free. Junior footy's done early. Um, people can get there for evening, afternoon games. And I just think it's timing as well. Like, yep. Yeah, Melbourne would be the same. The amount of Christmas parties you'd have going on, plus people just in general getting ready for Christmas. When it was the third test of a series, quite often Australia's playing for a uh, what would you say, a result in that test. So that built a bit more interest of being the first test starting a week and a half from Christmas. Just, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a really bad time slot. Anyone, yeah, I reckon if it was held in Melbourne, it'd be the same thing. Okay. No, I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks for making those points. And uh, it was good to get the audio of the grade cricketers. It was a strong defence of the Perth crowds. It seems a little bit clutching at straws for me but it seems that there's also several people coming in saying, no, no, I'm in Perth, and those are very, very valid points. So keep your opinions coming through on that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Tim Gostage is going to join me at about 20 to 2. Um, the I know that Basil Zempelis is the official mayor of Perth, but the Gossage, uh, he would be the unofficial. So we'll get him to speak up on behalf of uh, all, is it Perthians, Perthites? Sandgropers. All right. Thank you, Link. Uh, this is Afternoons on SEN. Afternoons on SEN. Greatly appreciate all your texts that are coming through on the 40 Wings Temper Tech 0433981116 and your calls 1300736736. Got Darren Berry joining me after one. I'm going to plough through as many of your calls and we'll get to all your texts as quickly as possible. Danny's in Brisbane. G'day, Danny. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to comment on 
it's not only uh, the people of Perth who are impacted by this change. That Brisbane had a whole, you know, a whole lot of customs and traditions built around that first test and uh, corporate events in the week leading up, and always was very well represented. It's just changing the calendar. Uh, messes with tradition and people plan around, you know, the test mm. being the same week every year. My memory in the five years I spent in Brizzy, Danny, was that day one, uh, even though it was on a weekday and people were still working, my recollection in my time in Brizzy that there was really good crowds for day one of the Brisbane test. Would that be right? Yeah, and around town, it was, uh, if you're in business, it was who you were going, it was a, it was a planned day, you know, the Thursday uh, there'd be a luncheon and everyone would head off to the cricket and it was it all built up around it. And and for those people in Perth worried on a, a day-night test because it's too hot, should do first day facing west at the Gabba on a Thursday afternoon. <laughs> yes. Nicely done, Danny. Hey, um, we'll get to Jeff, Greg and Rowan on the other side of the news. I know you've been holding, gents, uh, and I thank you for doing so. We will get all your calls on the other side of the break. Greg and Glenroy says with our 5 million population in Melbourne, this would equate to 40,000 on day one. What do you think, buddy? Well, day one, public holiday. But last year, 64,876. Day two, 42,614. So that 3% rule, expecting that 3% from what the grade cricketers were talking about, that needing 3%. Well, that's about 3%. News time.